0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24 7. With me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell also of dogs 24 7 and news of the day georgia has scheduled another game with clemson that makes six now in a 12-year span and the rivalry the 65th edition of georgia clemson unless the two teams meet in the 2020 playoff is going to be in 2021 bank of america stadium charlotte north carolina kind of came out of nowhere a little bit to be honest with you georgia's gonna pay uh san jose state 1.8 million dollars to to make this game happen to cancel that one and to get this one in the fold and uh i mean that it's huge i mean you know the 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 two teams hadn't played since 2014 it was going to be 2024 before they played again they're set to play in the mercedes-benz uh in mercedes-benz stadium in the chick-fil-a kickoff and uh it, once again, Georgia is scheduling another marquee game to fill its schedule, and we're going to cover that. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to get to some mailbag questions from the Dogs 24-7 Junkyard, and we're going to get to uh, a little bit of recruiting here at the end of the show. Uh, but before I guess we do that, you know, we had not been with you guys since last week, and, and let's check in with the guys. Rusty, how's it going with you, man?
2: Waterlogged. I mean, I am tired. Of, I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, I've lived in this house six years, I think, and never had flooding issues. Like, my backyard is flooded. I mean, luckily, it's draining, I guess, the way it's supposed to, away from the house. But there's literally a small creek in my backyard right now, and they're not calling for anything to stop. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm uncle, mercy, sorry, whatever I need to say to stop this for a while. I, I've had enough
1: dude i got weeds in my front, and i usually keep my front yard pretty pristine like i I work hard on it and i've got weeds in my front yard and can't do anything about it can't do anything about mowing it down or spraying it because it won't stop raining long enough so i'm feeling you on that i don't even want to think i I don't think i've looked in my backyard for a couple weeks because i'm just afraid of what it's going to look like back there uh kip you waterlogged too man
3: yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty kind of built for this as far as just you know kind of being stuck in the house. The uh, the weather outside just looks awful. Uh, I don't need any you know I don't need any help staying inside, but it's 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 doing all it can. I look out that window and it you know it looks dark. It's 1 p.m. So uh, you know again, it's helping me catch up on these TV shows. We got this TV show thread on the junkyard. We're on page 22 uh welcome everyone to to join in on the tv show thread on the junkyard on dogs 24 7 but you know it's helped me make a little bit of uh you know make a a little dent in in my show list there Uh, watching the new season of of narcos mexico it was outstanding um i would imagine they're going to get another season it's it's going great and really enjoyed that final season of vikings so uh watching that not really the same without ragnar in it but you know still watching it Holding it down until the very end, and uh, you know, just uh, catching up with these potential NCAA changes. I think you know, you look at the the potential changes in the in the immediate transfer. You know, getting not needing a waiver and potentially getting a, a one-time transfer. I mean, Rusty and I have talked about this so many times. Uh, at this point, we, we we can't really have the initial you know the initial counter limit anymore. This is going to happen. Schools could lose double digit, you know, guys out the door to the uh, immediate transfer now and not have a way to replace those guys on the roster. You know, if you're stuck with a 25 initial counter limit and you lose 10 guys uh, and you just signed 20, you know, what are you going to do? You're kind of stuck there. So, I mean, obviously, if they're going to let players leave whenever they want to, uh, uh, you know, fair you know if they need another opportunity and need another place to go it's fine but coaches need to have a way to replenish that roster in the best way possible to have 85 as close to 85 on scholarship and i just think that you know if you're if if you're going to do that maybe don't count don't count transfers as initial counters anymore you know that's one way of at least helping alleviate that you know if a school can bring in guys and, and at least uh you know cover for what they just lost then then that would help this maybe if you have a you know as many guys as you lose that's how many you can bring in that's still progress as far as where things are right now uh, coaches are kicking the can forward trying to to make up for for lost transfers and it, it's making it more and more difficult to really sign and have 85 on scholarship especially over a 3 and 4 year period so i just think that's really interesting if they do pass that that uh, NCAA, uh you know, by update, uh, I think it would have obviously a huge effect on everything. They need to think about that and and maybe plan ahead and, and try to give uh, give programs a chance to, to, you know, again, be able to replenish these guys because we've seen it the last three cycles, this transfer portal. I mean, guys are leaving left and right. I mean, we saw Penn State losing, you know, well into double digits in the transfer portal the one year. And, you know, there you can't just bring in, 20 high school players and then lose you know 15 20 second and third year players and, and be competitive in your conference so I just think it's something they need to look to look into and it's it's something that's really caught my eye today other than obviously the the big news uh, with, with Georgia's scheduling that was kind of the the biggest you know news of the week and, and maybe the month for me.
1: You know, yeah, we we actually didn't even plan, and I'm glad you brought it up to talk about the whole transfer thing, but what strikes me about that whole thing, guys, is the fact that there aren't very many different ways to look at this, okay? If you support it, and, and I and I do, because, and I think a, a, an athletic director kind of made a comment about this, if you're going to give coaches the ability to move on when they want, I think players should at least get one freebie, but... The only the, the only issue is the biggest issue with it is the fact that what Kent was bringing us the initial counter thing that should be open and shut it should be absolutely open and shut uh, 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 as far as like a, a solution to that and I I don't know what your thoughts on it Rusty I like the idea of of for every guy you lose via transfer you get that spot back via transfer and that's the only way I think you can do it if you're gonna count you know, transfers, if you're going to, every time you bring a transfer, it counts as an initial counter. Then, you know, you should, if, if, you know, we say it all the time on, on the junkyard, but if, if the transfer portal is going to give, it, it's going to also take it away. And, and I think that the NCAA should, should allow for that. And I fully expect Rusty, and you know, this too, man, 14 SEC coaches, SEC spring meetings, fists on the podium, those guys are going to pound the podium for for changes as far as that goes. Last year they were kind of like, ah, eh, we'll see how it works out. This year they're going to have their mind made up.
2: Yeah, you know, we could I could spend the rest of the time on this this transfer thing, and I, I you know I don't know enough about everything there the rules yet. I know the the freebie, and and I certainly think there should be an out. Now, if you sign, let's just take for example. And I fully understand why Mel Tucker, I've spoken my piece on that, why he went to Michigan State. I mean, this man uh, is no longer flying on charter planes. I mean, on commercial planes to recruit. Um, You know, he doubled his salary. His coaching pool salary is doubled. He opened up a whole new world of resources, which I fully understand that. I would have done it and never thought twice about it. Now, the kids he just signed ought to have an out. They ought to be able to either leave or say, hey, I want to open up my recruitment for two weeks, see what's out there, and that that type of thing, because they came to play for Mel Tucker, the majority of those kids, and he left. So I, I just I worry about this if you open this thing up, you know, these Kip knows this as well as I do. This last class that just signed this 2020 class is the first class that I really consider that got recruited for four years. I mean, these kids were taking visits as freshmen—not just a couple of cute visits. Like, they were getting "quote unquote" offers and those types of things. You know, these kids are expecting to play, and then when they don't, how are they going to react? I talked to so many coaches, and the the who handles the d-recruitment, who can handle d-recruitment and not pout up? Um, listen. I can't mention names, but I'm telling you right now, the transfer portal, it takes, I think if I'm I'm correct, Kip, it takes you like if a kid goes in, just say he goes in on a Friday or a Thursday, it takes 24 to 48 hours for his name to show up. If that's that's correct, I believe. That's Uh, correct. Yeah. I talk to a lot of SEC coaches. There's a lot of kids that go in the portals on Monday because they're pissed off they didn't play on Saturday and they go and cool down, and they talk, and they're back out of the portal on Tuesday. So you never know. It's never out there yet. There's so much going on with this. It, it, it worries me about a lot. I know they've got to do something. I don't have the answer. I, I, I thought about that drive at home today, and I thought about this. What if, you, if we open this thing up, but it has to be after your sophomore season? You spent two years out of school for whatever reason you're either a not starting b it ain't working out c you you too far from home whatever maybe after two seasons you get a, a free pass instead of being a graduate you get a free move that that would for me be able to tell a coaching staff hey we at least got this kid for two years let's coach and develop him if it doesn't work and he leaves that's fine well you know that that's part of it but this being able to go at any time, man, It, it I, I worry about the college football game that I love and the reason I follow it uh, so much more than NFL. I've had some good friends play in the NFL. It's such a business. I love watching the NFL, especially in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. That is the highest level, and those guys get after it. But college football is sudden death pretty much every week. I just worry what this will do. Um, if I'm the lower G5 schools, I'm scared to death. Because I'm telling you, if you got a really good left tackle, let's take, for example, Louisiana Tech. I, saw, I don't even know the kid's name. I saw a breakdown from an NFL scout last night on Twitter. I just happened to watch this nickel corner safety at Louisiana Tech. Dude's a baller. Probably a second-round draft pick. Do you not think that somebody's not going to try to get him, one of these bigger schools, Alabama, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, somebody's not going to get one of those kids? Say, hey, you can come play here it just worries me about the overall um, how this thing could go but i'm telling you that, that this this that thing is it, it will forever change college football they got to do something i agree i don't have the answer though
1: and not only that but but you know when when you know the initial counter things one thing but when you start talking about the recruitment of these guys the back channel and the underbelly of it all the i mean when when guys when you don't have to be a graduate anymore to transfer and you get the one freebie I mean, man, there are going to be tentacles and and hands and fingers and feelers and all that kind of stuff all over the place for these kids. Talking to a second cousin twice removed and all that. I mean, I love the idea of making a guy wait uh, maybe until after his sophomore year. I I like the idea of maybe putting an age restriction on it, too, maybe after your sophomore year or after you turn 20 years old. Or something like that. I mean, hell, I mean, you know, people want to compare this thing to coaches all the time, and I understand that. I get the crux of that issue, but here's the issue. I mean, you can't you pay a fine or you pay a premium to rent a car if you're under twenty five years old. You you can't drink alcohol until you're twenty one years old. There are some things that you can do later in life. That you can't do when you're as young as some of these guys are, because it takes a level of maturity and decision making to do those things. And you know, I, I do like the idea of maybe putting an age limit plus a sophomore uh, a requirement, year or two on campus, something like that. But it's it it's got the potential to open a can of worms and be very significant. Uh, and and I'm interested to see how it plays out.
3: It's already <laughs> significant. I mean, you look you look at the transfer portal on our website. There's 94 quarterbacks that have entered the, the transfer portal this offseason on our website. Just quarterbacks, 94. I mean, that that's incredible. Now, I mean, I just got dizzy trying to count them all right now, scrolling up. I can't say that all of them are or Power 5 or FBS, but if we're tracking it and we got these guys in here, I mean, they're playing at a high level somewhere and they were they signed somewhere that that we can track in our system, and that's just one position. Obviously, quarterback is the main position that the transfer portal really opened up with. Uh, but but if that's just if we're breaking a hundred almost with one position, I mean, there's got to be you know probably 500 kids in the transfer portal right now, and it's February. I mean, we're gonna have we, spring football. Guys are gonna figure out where they're at in the depth chart for real for this upcoming season. And they're gonna they're gonna hit the portal after spring football's over as well. So yep. I mean these numbers are gonna really grow exponentially. And so if they're looking at potentially making this immediate eligibility, uh, I, I assume they're gonna have a deadline for that because I couldn't even imagine the can of worms they opened up if if you were able to you know leave during the season and and not lose eligibility. I mean obviously I think it's it's gonna have to be something where. By the sure. end of summer, before before summer camp starts, just yep. like where you have to have 85 on scholarship, I think that's probably when you have to have your, you know, you know your transfer done and everything. But it's still, we're talking about roster changing late in the process, where schools have no way, you know, to really rebound over that. If it's a depth chart thing, a guy that's down on the depth chart, it's one thing. But again, going into camp program these progr- these, co- these coaches want over 80 guys in scholarship you know whenever possible and this is gonna make it where schools are rolling in in the mid 60s because they're gonna they're gonna lose guys left and right to you know the teams that maybe either have thinner depth charts or maybe ha- are more competitive and give them a chance to you know play for a championship even though they might not even be starting they might be being the two deep so I mean immediate eligibility is just an incredible incredible, you know, season-changing aspect for, for all these programs. And just looking at the sheer numbers and the impact it's had on college football, you know, you know, especially at the quarterback position, we've seen the national championships the last couple of years, where those players have come from originally. It's going to be, you know, probably the biggest change we've seen in a long time if any player is able to leave whenever they want.
1: Absolutely, and like I said, uh, th- this was this, this was completely something that just kind of popped up for us as far as the podcast goes, and uh, and I'd really to be honest, maybe it's an indictment of our planning because it's a huge issue, and you know I, I don't think that teams like Georgia and Alabama are going to be hit as hard by it as as like Rusty says, some of those Group of Five programs. I mean, you're going to see some. I, I also feel like you're going to have maybe some coaches that kind of step on toes. I mean, you've got a mass exodus at UConn right now. You're going to see more of those types of situations where guys kind of band together. They're saying, I'm, I'm sick of this. And, and several guys are going to leave all at once. And it's going to cause some problems. And, and I also get the idea of, of the other side of it, which is the, the whole thing that, you know, sometimes these guys are 18, they get frustrated, they want to leave and, you it's good for them to kind of stick it out i I think that's a case-by-case basis and and not something i'm willing to judge but i see that side of it as well let's take a quick break here we we were gonna we were gonna get try to get to the clemson uh georgia scheduling uh the uh, 2021 game uh before the break but we're gonna get to it afterward and we're gonna talk about a couple mailbag questions uh from the junkyard but let's uh let let's pause here
0: for a second Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match, limited by state law.
1: All right, Georgia Clemson 2012. I'm sorry, 2021. Uh, Kip, going to go to you first on this, man. What are your thoughts on this? The the renewal of the Clemson Georgia rivalry uh, way early.
3: This is great. I mean, this is a 123 year old rivalry, and it, and honestly, every time we brought it, you know, to the site. Which, you know, which non-conference game would you like to see, you know, Georgia renew again? It, it was always Clemson. I mean, the, these two teams are, uh, I mean, you can't not call this a rivalry. I mean, it's just such an outstanding matchup. Uh, the, the the programs are, are both just so close to each other, like 70 miles away. They both have the, you know, the same recruiting footprint. And, and, and Clemson obviously is... is competing at a level really never seen before. And Kirby Smart has brought Georgia to the precipice. You know, they are right there, you know, close to the mountaintop, pushing for that that top spot that, that uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney has brought Clemson. So uh, for the fans, I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. I mean, this is going to be an outstanding matchup and, and really just a game where we're looking at transitioning rosters, you know, at the quarterback position. Obviously Clemson's gonna be, you know, replacing Trevor Lawrence and and Georgia will most likely have a new starting quarterback, assuming Jamie Newman starts this season. And, and so there's a lot of intrigue with this matchup. And I really dislike looking at how the rosters are going to be shaped, you know, in 2021. I think, you know, is Zamir White if 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 he's the bell cow this year, if he breaks a thousand yards, does he come back? you know, for another season, having, you know, two major knee injuries. Uh, Does James Cook stay for a fourth year? Is it, you know, is he the guy that kind of steps into into that role? Because when we've seen, the you know, the last time these guys played, obviously Todd Gurley played a major, you know, role in in that series the last time, you know, Georgia and Clemson played. So the running back position is obviously going to be highlighted again in this series. Uh, Travis Etienne, obviously, uh not going to be on Clemson's roster in 2021. So both teams, you know, very well could be breaking in new starting running backs and starting quarterbacks. So, I mean, that's really intriguing to me. And I, one thing that really catches my eye is the possibility that Georgia, they might have, you know, better wide receivers on the field in this game than, than Clemson and Clemson. I mean, the wide receivers that they've had the last five to 10 years, a few programs can can, you know, really have the same level of names that Clemson's had out there. And I, I think they're probably gonna have some some new names, you know, guys that haven't really had a lot of production in the past as well. And I think Georgia, I mean, that might be this, you know, the real strength of the team going into 2021 with the class they just brought in, you know, along with George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, obviously. I, I think it's it's just really intriguing how how different these offenses might look next season. And with it being the first game and two teams that are going to have national championship hopes every every season moving forward, uh, it's incredible that this matchup is going to happen and we don't have to talk about the 2029 and 2030 matchups that uh, are a decade away.
1: Rusty, what are what's your thoughts on this type of scheduling and and getting Clemson back on the schedule good I mean do you like it is it good for Georgia is it is it foolish? How do you look at it?
2: It's all about recruiting I mean Kirby smart um, is saying that we're going to stay on the forefront the main page I mean what what news dominated college football today nationwide this Georgia Clemson on a you know, Tuesday afternoon, middle of February, it was a topic of discussion. Uh, this game is about opening the buzz, the recruiting you'll be able to sell uh, for, for you know the 2021 class. and Not only that, but just saying, listen, we're going to play in big games at Georgia. We're going to play in national games. Uh, we're going to play in them all season. We're going to open. We're going to go here, go there. We're going to play this team, play that team. Kirby Smart in Georgia, whoever is involved making these games, are banking on a couple of things, but they're definitely banking on strength of schedule is going to be very important. They would never say this publicly, but the way they're scheduling out in these games to go along with the SEC schedule they're going to have, I believe, and I'm going to be real careful with this, Rusty Mansell is saying he believes Georgia thinks this thing is going to expand to eight teams at some point, and strength of schedule is going to be massive. What happens in 2026, let's just say 2026, this thing goes to eight teams If you're not ahead of the game and you haven't scheduled these games, it's too late. It's going to be too late. Georgia basically paid, like you said, paid $2 million to get out of a San Jose State game. Not everybody can do that. So, you know, the strength of schedule down the line, I think, is important. I think for a recruiting standpoint, uh, Georgia-Clemson marquee game. Jake, you cover the team. What is going to dominate the discussions from May, June, July, and August – among Georgia fans of 2021? Of
1: oh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's always the season opener. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be huge. And, and it's going to be, the, like like I said, it's going to be the first time these teams have played in like seven years. Yeah. And it's going to be the 65th meeting between the two teams as long as they don't end up playing each other in the playoff this year. Uh, I mean, there there's going to be all sorts of excitement around this game. Going to Charlotte, playing in the Panther Stadium, I mean, there's, I mean, it's it's massive, man, and and I wouldn't put it past these two coaches to find some way to, you know, get recruits tickets to this game, even though they won't be able to host them. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that can go on for this stuff, and and uh, you know, I'm definitely on the same page as you when it comes to uh, comes to the exposure aspect of it. And I, I'm not even sure strength of schedule, college football playoff expansion, with how quickly these things are happening, especially a game like this. I mean, at the end of the day, win your games. Uh, folks talk about all the time. You can't get into the playoff, or you haven't been able to get into the playoff for two wins, two losses. I'm sorry. Auburn was going to do it in 2017 if Georgia didn't beat them in the SEC championship game. Uh, the opportunities have been there uh, to to make that happen if the right people do it. It's just a matter of getting it done. And 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 if you play a schedule like Georgia's, you you give yourself a fighter's chance if you do lose two
2: games. Yep. I I, I just think, and Kip, you may touch on this. I I think that Georgia. It's forecasting that strength of schedule is going to be important. And when you look, if it does go to eight teams, all three of us know what's going to happen. There's going to be a minimum of two SEC schools every year, minimum. Possibly three if something goes right. But strength of schedule, I think, in my opinion, is what Georgia's looking at. But this game is different because of the proximity of the two schools. They recruit against each other. Hell, it's time for them two to play. Let's just be honest.
3: And and really, you, you look at Jake touched on it. I mean, this game is going to be played in Charlotte, uh, and this last season, what did we see Georgia do? You know, they 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 went on the road up to Nashville. We saw them take you know take the town over, and when they played at Notre Dame, I mean, what did they do up there? And now, I mean, do you think that Georgia fans are are already looking at the hotels for Charlotte? The prices have already skyrocketed uh, for for that weekend, and. You know they're already making plans for that trip. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. I'm interested to see, you know, just how the, the fan bases fill fill that, you know, the Pan, uh, Carolina Panthers stadium up. And and you mentioned recruiting. Uh, you think that you think Del McGee and, and Kirby are going to be bringing up this game to Will Shipley to Evan Pryor? You think they're they've brought it up to Evan Pryor? You know, you know about the opportunity to to play next year? You know, in your home state. I, I think game,
2: that game one, game one, I, I was, one class.
3: I think that's probably going to be a pretty heavy pitch from that coaching staff. They probably have already talked to both of them today about it. I mean, obviously, the state of North Carolina, Georgia, running backs. There's a history there. Georgia's done pretty well there, you know, in recent years. And we already know that that they have two tailbacks in that 2021 class again. And Will Shipley. And Evan Pryor, that that Georgia thinks very highly of. They like them both a lot. And Del and McGee wants to take two running backs this year, so and the chance to get one of those guys is probably pretty high up on the board. The, this this gives them an extra and you know an extra boost in, in recruiting. Uh, recruiting against programs like Notre Dame, against w- with Will Shipley, with Evan Pryor, you got Ohio State, you got Penn State. He's probably going to leave the state to play. Uh, Are you know, do Ohio State, uh, you know, Penn State, are those programs planning on playing a lot of games in North Carolina? Uh, That's something that Georgia can hold over them now. And and obviously, Dell wants any edge he can to try to get two elite guys. Like we said, this running back position could be in a little bit of flux going into 2021. There's an opportunity there for a freshman to come in and potentially make an impact. So I just think just looking just at that position, it's going to be huge. And obviously there's going to be other prospects that emerge in the state of North Carolina for this class, uh, for this 2021 class It's still very early. And there's guys, Georgia's going to be recruiting. Trey Scott has a defensive line coach at Georgia has, you know, has ties there. He's going to be going back there in the, in the spring during the evaluation period and selling that to, to every kid he has high on his board, new kids that emerge in the spring. So I think a, a, Rusty hit the nail on the head as far as recruiting is concerned. This this matchup is huge for not just for the state of North Carolina, obviously, but it definitely gives a boost to them trying to to pluck the elite guys from that state moving forward.
1: I'll tell you what, though. I mean, yeah, obviously, we keep you touched on. You know, Trevor Lawrence, Jamie Newman, probably, you know, or, or Trevor Lawrence probably, almost certainly not going to be at Clemson. Jamie Newman not going to be at Georgia. Travis yeah, Etienne. I
2: guarantee you Trevor Lawrence is not going to be at Clemson.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. Breaking news. Yes. Yeah. You can you know, quote me on that. You heard it from Rusty first. Uh, but, you know, and then obviously, you know, you may or may not, George may or may not have Zamir White, but i tell you what is going to be on the field, and that's defensive lineman galore. I mean, you're talking Trayvon, Trayvon Walker, uh, uh, Jalen Carter, uh, Brian Breezy. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, Breezy. however you pronounce it, Miles Murphy. I mean, there there is going to be so much talent in the trenches, uh, really on both sides of the ball, because both of these teams have recruited so well of late. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun game to watch. Let's make sure we get to see a couple of these mailbag questions. And there were two that kind of stuck out to me. Well, let's start with the with the assistant coach hire. Uh, I believe our, our guy Sheep Rock, over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. I may have the name wrong on that, but somebody can double check me. But I believe we were told to make something up regarding the 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 tenth assistant coach hire. Uh, Rusty, want to throw it to you, man? What are you what are you hearing regarding that? Anything new?
2: nothing new but um I, I do think there has been some interviews in the last week or two with some people and the i've made this statement on the board the longer this goes on I really believe that Buster Faulkner is starting to be that guy I think how all that will play out you know I know he's a quarterback guy I know Buster Faulkner's a quarterback guy. You know, obviously was an offensive coordinator at Southern Miss last year, had a very good year with Southern Miss calling plays. So, you know, we talked about how they did, how they could divvy up special teams, that type of deal. But I personally think the longer this goes on, it would not surprise me to see Buster Faulkner be that guy. I think that Buster Faulkner came to Georgia to, to strengthen his resume with the understanding – he was going to be an off the field guy. Well, all of a sudden, there was a position opened up when Scott Fountain left. So, uh, to go to Arkansas, so on the offensive side of the ball. So, I, I'm, you know, anything could happen, but just asking me on February the 18th, starting to lean more that Buster Faulkner uh, would be a guy. And that's another guy that has recruited the state of Georgia, too. So uh, you know, it's, that you know, we haven't talked about that. We maybe we need to bring that up on the next podcast. I'll, I'll try to fill around, see so what we hear. How Georgia's going to divvy up uh, some areas, specifically state of Florida, because Scott Fountain and James Coley were flat out killers in that state. I mean, they went and got some dudes the last couple of classes, especially Scott Fountain this class. So Jalen Carter and Arian Smith were his guys, lead recruiters. So. Uh, you know, with those guys, but but uh just I, I, I'm starting to lean that Buster Faulkner is, is going to be that tenth guy. I mean, that's not a bad hire. I'm just that's why I'm leaning.
1: Gotcha. And we had another question on there, and it was talking about uh, the, the question was was basically Todd Munkin. What is he going to do differently than James Coley? And I'm going to jump on this one because I've I've kind of been working on some um, studying some stuff lately, and. I do think that that obviously your your personnel is going to have a big impact on what they're able to do. I mean, listen, Todd Munkin hasn't been a mobile quarterback guru in the past, not a design quarterback guru in the past. I think Jamie Newman brings that element. He's going to have to put it to use. Uh, but one thing I have noticed about Todd Munkin, and, and I'm not trying to pump sunshine or, or I'm not trying to get folks jacked up about anything, okay, but... I have been really impressed at his ability to conflict defenses down the field. Like a lot of times you see you see passing game concepts where you've got like high, low reads where you're basically putting the defense in conflict. They've got to decide whether they want to come up and attack the route in front of them or stay home and and make sure they're not getting hit with a route behind them. Well, Munkin does such a good job of putting stress on the secondary, of a defense with the route combinations, whether it's a, a post wheel or or whether it's a whether it's a, a well-designed square in and and a post over the top of it, like he does such a really good job of like making a safety, you know, 20 yards downfield, make a decision and create an explosive plays with it. Another thing I've noticed about him too is is one of the things that that he's done a really good job of is is he likes to move in. in you know and this is noticing it from the Oklahoma state days but and that was a while back obviously 8 9 years ago but he really likes to move the quarterback in the pocket on early downs and and that's something you don't see a ton of like you see a lot of Teams, you know, like to roll out and throw that stick route on third down, third and six or whatever, third and four. Well, Monkin will take that from you on first down if he can get it and, and basically turn it into extension of the run game. And then obviously uh, this had a lot to do with personnel, and and Georgia may have a guy that can kind of help him in this area. But the way he used Mike Evans in Tampa Bay was, was incredible the way he – you know, found ways to isolate him in one-on-one coverage and, and go throw jump balls to him and, and get him the ball down the field and give him chance to those 50-50 balls. I thought he did a really good job of scheming that up as well. Uh, I think that in a lot of ways, I think George is going to be more creative, pre-snap with motions, and, and I think they're going to do a better job, of, of like I began with here, with, with conflicting defenses in the back half and, and, and creating explosive plays out of it. Uh, before we close the show up, uh, Rusty, uh want to throw it to you and Kip real quick for a little quick recruiting corner. You've been on the road a little bit. What have you
2: seen? Um, visited with Smile Munden today. Uh, Paulding County, as Kip knows, with his young men uh, going to school there. Uh, in that county is on vacation all week. Must be nice to have a winter break. I swear I went to school all these years and I, I, there was no such thing as like winter break and, all this stuff these kids get now. Uh, but the uh, looking at this, I think the uh, smile is a is pronounced smile, uh, as in a smile. Smile Monday, 6'3", 220 uh, at Paulding County. A young man that we are very, very high on. Um, the, the rankings are not final, but they'll come out on Wednesday for the uh, updated top 247 of the 2021 class and he is definitely going to be one that is trending up into some elite area and love his junior tape. Played a lot of running back. I saw him play South Fall. dude took a handoff, a jet sweep, 80 yards to the house, 6'3", Not going to say he's – and, of course, you, I, I say this all the time. I don't like to get in comparisons and not wind up comparing somebody because that's going to be asked. But just seeing him – how he's growing. He's got a lot of that Alec Ogletree frame where he's 6'3". He's already 220 in high school. He runs track. Uh, kid doesn't camp. I'll tell you this. I, If I had to make a crystal ball today, if I had to make a crystal ball today, I would say Georgia, but I'm going to tell you this is nowhere near done. He's going to visit Florida, Oklahoma, He's going to take all five of his officials and probably not going to decide until late after football season next year. So this one's nowhere near uh, being done. I I would say if there's a dark horse to watch, uh, probably would be Florida. Christian Robinson's been recruiting him pretty hard. He said he went to uh, Florida and Auburn, and he said that was the best game atmosphere he's been to so far. He said it was crazy. So been in there twice, I think, to Florida. So, been to one George game, came to Murray State. He will be back for a game uh, this fall, he said, for sure. So, uh, I, I just think that there's some some connections there. He really likes Glenn Schumann, but this thing is not anywhere near over. You're talking about a 6'3, 220 kid that runs 300 uh, high hurdles, runs a 200, 4 by one uh, never been to a camp, probably don't know what he's ranked. And uh, th- those are refreshing sometimes to cover those as Kip knows.
1: Keep you got some thoughts on this overall linebacker class, don't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Smilebondin, outstanding prospect. You, you stay in the state of Georgia. Barrett Carter at North Gwinnett, another extremely athletic, you know, tackling machine. Drawing some early, unfair, but still... The comparisons to, you know, Roquan Smith at the same stage, just a similar type player in, in his athleticism, his ability to kind of, you know, just find the ball and go sideline to sideline. And then you, you go to Florida, Xavier and from Graceville, Florida. We talk about Smile Munden, you know, that frame that he has very similar, you know, athleticism and, and, and body style with Xavier and sorry. It's a very small town, Graceville, Florida. Uh, The population is just, uh, you know, 2,200 people there. They haven't had, you know, a major recruit in in almost 40 years in Graceville. But he is definitely that. He is a guy that, I mean, just watching him on a film, seeing that athleticism, seeing him, you know, play basketball as well. uh, He's an elite prospect and one that Georgia – is absolutely, you know, all over recruiting him as hard as they possibly can, just like they are with Small Munden, Barrett Carter, the in-state guys. You look at this linebacker class, you know, specifically inside linebacker, Georgia didn't sign an inside linebacker this past cycle. Obviously, you know, they they have two on the field a lot in their defense. It's a pretty important position. Uh that's gonna be a huge focus for Georgia's defense this cycle as far as recruiting concern. Glenn Schumann is uh, you know. He's going all in on some elite guys. He's got an opportunity to really replenish that room and really bring in some elite players. It's a special linebacker class in my mind. I think when you look at Xavier, I think Alabama's obviously a team that's heavily involved there. It's probably going to be Georgia's top competition. I think Georgia's in that top two with them, and I think that's going to be one that kind of goes back and forth. He's been to both campuses plenty of times. He's going to be back. They'll both get official visits. Probably Auburn's third if I'm having to handicap it. Georgia, we we, we think Georgia's in a good spot with, with Barrett Carter. There are plenty of other guys that Glenn Schumann is recruiting in-state, out-of-state as well. But those kind of, those guys just kind of caught my eye as guys that really have a chance to be special players and that Georgia's really heavily involved with early in this cycle. So those are three guys we're going to be writing a lot about on Dogs 24-7 over, over the coming weeks and months once this uh, brutal dead period ends.
1: And Georgia needs them. Didn't sign an inside linebacker in the previous class, as pointed out, and, and uh, going gonna to be a big class on, on that inside and outside linebacker in, in 2021. And uh, these two guys that I've been talking with uh, on on the cast tonight are going to have it covered for you, and uh, I'll be on the team side of it. Uh, got a lot coming up. Got spring drills coming up. Uh, it's going to be on on March 17th, and, and that'll get started, 15 practices. Jamie Newman era begins, all of that stuff. Uh, but for this show, that's all we got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy, everybody.